You know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> Stop laughing. And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast coming to you today, not from the vaulted podcast studios in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, but uh, via StreamYard. And today I'm pleased to introduce to you the history of roasts with my good friend and guest. I'm meeting him for the first time. Vinny Paulino. What's up, buddy? Pal, we've been buddies for forever. Oh, we go way back. We go way back. Thanks it's for having me, man. I've been uh, a fan of yours. As you know, I'm a WATP fan. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny now that Carl's doing twice a week, I've not been asked once. So apparently I've, <laughs> I'm not welcome anymore. I don't know what's going on. Well, you know, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I deserve no praise for any appearances on WATP that shows <laughs> the worst. Carl's a dick. Burn it down. I do have to say he was on, he was on this podcast. He was on the blind Mike project. And I remember him giving a lot of plugs for WATP. He's talking about the live shows, all that. I don't remember him mentioning the Creep Off podcast ever. Well, is I mean, he on that program? Yes, he is. That's where he excels. That's his good show that he does. <laughs> it's a uh, a true crime show just for guys, I guess. Apparently, a lot of women like that. I just found that out. I shouldn't say it anymore. But uh, yeah, it's a, a true crime contest competition where nothing is off limits. <laughs> yeah. So I've li- tell me about that real quick. Cause I'm curious. Cause I listened, uh, cause I, you mentioned me possibly going on there, which I, yeah. um, so I listened a little bit, but what is the actual contest? Like, do, how do people vote? I don't understand it really. Okay. Well, here's, here's basically how it works. Um, every week, the listeners pick a category. For example, last week, the category was creepiest cellmate. Okay. So Carl and I each go, and do some research and we come back and we each make a nomination for the person who we think was the creepiest cellmate of all time. All right. So Carl's guy murdered a dude and then made a necklace out of his eyeballs, his ears, some of his teeth. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty bad. That's a, <laughs> that's a creepy, that's a creepy cellmate. Yeah. My guy ripped a dude's chest open and started eating parts out of it raw in front of a third cellmate. Who just eh. had that? Who just like the story is all this time? I'm going with Carl on that one. Really, the guy who was cannibalizing another person <laughs> in front of somebody else. It's it's hack after Jeffrey Dahmer. It's hack at this point. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> no, that's that's not, that sounds awesome though. That's it. I'm out. Turn this <laughs> off. So if you're into that type of stuff, go listen to uh, the creep off. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty messed. <laughs> it's pretty messed <laughs> up, truthfully. But uh, I do this other show uh, that I want to plug on this show. Particularly, I do a show called The Comedy of the Carlson Cast. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, every week I get to interview amazing comedians just about, you know, their journeys through the world of stand-up comedy. And I try to do, I try to avoid the questions everybody asks. And I try to get some interesting content out of people. Like this morning I had Jimmy Schubert on for a half hour. We had some talks about him working at the comedy store the night uh, Bob Zamuda came back as Tony Clifton after Andy Kaufman had been Adner, after Andy Kaufman had been dead for a year. I'm already interested. Yeah. Jimmy Schubert was the doorman during that. Night. So like, you know, we, we try to get some interesting comedy stories. All right. Perfect. So go listen to the comedy at the Carlson cast. It's called Carlson cast.com. 
All right, perfect. Go check that out as well. That seems more in line. If you're a listener to this program, there's no doubt you could like the Creep Off podcast, but the comedy at the Carlson sounds more uh, similar to this anyways. Yeah, I think that's more in the wheelhouse, but you're led with the Creep Off, so that's what you get. Well, Oh, so the other thing uh, you may want to promote, I don't know if there are tickets still available. You guys are doing a roast. That's why I thought roast would be a good topic. You guys have a roast coming up, right? Yeah, we, uh, we made a deal with our patrons for the creep off that if we got to a certain number, we would do the roast of Carl and Vinny. And that is going to be happening September 17th in Rochester, New York at Comedy at the Carlson. I believe there's less than 50 tickets total left. Oh, get moving, people. Get moving. Yeah. Jesus. So it's, it's doing pretty good. I'm excited. All right. Awesome. We're still a ways out, though. All right. So make sure if you're in the uh, Rochester area or you just want to check it out, drive down there, maybe then uh, where can they get it? I'm sorry. Where the uh, creep off roast.com. All right. So do that. Um, yeah. So plugs, I figured man. I love I figured, it. What's that? I said lots of plugs. I love it. I, I try. I, I do my best. I waited until we had a like a comedian Katie Hannigan on a few months ago. And it, I realized at the end of the podcast, I didn't plug anything for her. So I was like, fuck, I got to do it right up top now. So we're going to spend the first seven minutes asking this idiot what he's up to. We'll get it all out of the way. Fast forward if you want people. (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame him. Um, No, yeah. So uh, I thought roast would be a good topic, especially if you know uh, WATP. It's pretty much a weekly roast that Vinny's on once in a while as well. Um, And I find it just to be an interesting subject because I think it has, uh, while I do like roasts and certain people that have come out, like become famous from a lot of the, uh, you know, the old Dean Martin roast and the comedy central roast and things like that. I do think it's devolved into something that's legitimately been bad for society, which I'll probably make that case later. But were you a fan of roasts growing up? Vinny? Oh man. My, uh, my older brother, for some reason had all of the Dean Martin roasts on VHS. Yeah. So I used to watch those all the time. And that's one of the first places I think I was exposed to comedy was watching those. And I mean, those things were out of control. Yeah. And the thing that was kind of beautiful about those, if you go back and watch is Hollywood was just a tighter knit community back then. Like now there's people famous for things, you you know, names that you hear all the time that you don't even know what they do. If they're a YouTube star or musician or anything back then, it was a more tight knit. It was a smaller community. So you at least got the vibe that they were genuinely friends on right. some level or at least knew each other. And, Whereas, and to add to that, it's like yeah. the level of stardom was a lot higher too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like now you have Hasselhoff, then it was like Sinatra, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Now it's kind of, you get someone who is willing to do it for a little boost in their career where it seemed like back then they did it just because it was fun more yeah, than anything. Um, but those old only- commercials for those shows were the best. Is that right? Yeah. Hey, it's Dean Martin. I'm hammered and all my friends are too. Tune in at eight. We're going to call Sammy Davis Jr. Everything but the N word. (laughs) It's pretty, it's it's pretty close. If you see if I could Rickles say that it'll never move in Sammy's neighborhood and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it was a different, it was a very different time. Those are really out of control. Crazy. They got away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like on network TV. Well, we'll play, we'll play a couple of them. Uh, you know what, uh, Craig, do we have the uh, Frank Sinatra one from uh, Don Rickles? I think it should be the third clip. Uh, no. What do you mean, no? Sinatra? It's uh, it's about Dean Martin. Oh, Is Dean Martin's, we... yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Let's play it. We're, not, we're an organized uh, ship over here, Vinny. <laughs> I was like, I saw only Dean Martin's, Julia Roberts. <laughs> yeah, 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 just play that. 
Frank did say to say hi to you, Dean. I know how much it means to you. <laughs> Dean's the kind of guy you can say, golf a bit. Uh, uh, Frank Sinatra was hit by a bus. Well, I'm going to take my nine-iron and <laughs> going to hear your attitude and you're going to wind up in a hook in a garage in Chicago. Legitimately suggesting that Frank Sinatra will whack Dean Martin for, for thinking about him wrong. That's the type of shit where now it would have been edited out or never mentioned. And I know, I mean, like, uh, I watched that show, The Offer, about the making of The Godfather. Mm-hmm. I think Sinatra did have a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a temperament to him. <laughs> but if it's Rickles, you kind of like let him get away with that shit, which there's a, a beauty to that. that I don't know that it totally exists anymore. You, have you ever heard Don tell the story about uh, Sinatra in the restaurant? It's uh, one of my favorite stories ever. If you want to tell yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I don't know if I, if I'm over repeating, but long story short, Don begged Frank to come over to his table to impress a woman that he was on a date with. Yeah. And when Frank came over to say, Hey Don, how you doing? Don looked up and says, Frank, can't you see we're trying to eat? <laughs> Frank, please. <laughs> Frank, come on. <laughs> I'm just trying to have dinner here. Like he was a like, consummate ball buster. I think the only guy who probably could get away with making Sinatra jokes would be Don Rickles. Right. I think he's the only guy that can get away with a lot of that stuff. And to me, the only guy where his stuff really held up. And I mean, there's a little, there's a little schmaltz to Rickles in the sense that, uh, you know, now everyone has to be not just a comedian, but like a content creator that puts all their stuff online. And, you know, you have, uh, where specials used to be legitimately specials. Now people are putting them out every single year. Yep. So like to that end, there are clips of Rickles where he's, you know, using the same jokes and things like that. Cause it's a different time. Yeah. But, there didn't used to be a camera everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't all filmed. And even the stuff that was filmed, like you could make the same joke on the tonight show eight years later and no one's going to even notice. Right. Whereas now those clips will be up next to each other. Can you believe this? This asshole told the same story. Um, but his comedy to me holds up a lot better than um, like, for example, I was watching a clip of like Foster Brooks on there who was, he's murdering. The crowd yeah. is going nuts for him. And uh, if you don't know Foster Brooks, he's basically playing like a drunk, kind of a stumbling drunk character. One of Rochester, New York's finest exports. Oh, is that Foster right? Foster Brooks, yes, sir. Is that right? So uh, he's one of ours. It, like he's crushing, but to me, I'm like, oh, I've seen that. It, is, it wasn't that funny because you've seen someone pretend to be drunk yeah. ten million times. But you're and, also, you know, not looking at it through the lens of someone watching television in 1962 or whenever exactly, the fuck it was. Exactly. So that, I guess that's basically what I'm saying is that, like. Uh, a lot of these guys were crushing at the time. Rickles to me is the one that held up through generations more than anyone else on there. He certainly probably was the most beloved too yeah. by like later generations. Uh, we have a couple more Rickles clips. Like I said, those are the only ones that really um, stood out to me from the Dean Martin roasts as like, as funny as anything you'd hear on there today. And the way he talks to celebrities, I'm pretty impressed with, because now you have such an ass kissing environment where, you know, the clip goes viral every year during any award show because Ricky Gervais is the one example of someone who talked mean to celebrities and he's been ousted. He'll never host another award show again. Chris Rock made a mild, I mean, compared to the shit you hear from Rickles, Chris Rock made a, you know, Z-level roast joke at Jada Pinkett Smith and got the shit smacked out of him for it. Um, so there's a way Rickles handles celebrities that uh, I really liked and you don't really see anymore. I don't, think the, Rickles, uh, I don't think Rickles would have handled that slap as well. 
<laughs> Chris Rock's so. head. No, I think Don Rickles would have ended up on his back. If Will Smith well, had smacked there him. may have been there may have been some racial commentary that uh, wouldn't have flown in this day and age either. But um, that's the that's the one thing that I find funny. Like when Rickles died a few years ago, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people like celebrating him. And, you know, you see this with Patrice a lot now, too, where there are people like celebrating what a genius this guy was. And he wasn't afraid to say anything. And it's like, well, if he was alive now, you would be skewering this man. What a brave man. <laughs> right. But uh, let's play the uh, Julia Roberts clip first. Oh, Julia Roberts, you live next to me at the beach. You know that. <laughs> Thanks for all the visits. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> I'm living about two blocks from you. The broad never shows up. Come by and say hello. We're closer than two blocks. You have no lines, Julia. Just nod. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> like, oh, of, God bless him. Of course, there's like a charm to that, and he's being like fun and a little lighthearted. But now I don't think there's a comedian. And, you know, Rickles obviously is a pretty big deal, but I don't know that there's a comedian even at that level that would talk to Julia Roberts like that. Yeah. You think I'm wrong I mean, in that? When I see that, when I see that interaction, I immediately go, that is a seasoned stage performer. Beautiful. That is a guy who's played clubs where people were talking during his set. Because if you notice, he didn't even stop to think. That just like, you don't have a talking part in this, Julia. Like, he's, it seems to me like that is like just stock his act. That just he's so boom. quick. So yeah. quick. And he does, like I said, he does have some stock lines, but the immediacy with which he fires them off is unbelievable unparalleled um and the other the other one uh celebrity jab rickles got in was at uh i think maybe his most famous maybe the most famous joke from these roasts that i've heard uh referenced is uh this clint eastwood joke plant i say with due respect 28 years ago we did kelly's heroes and i haven't heard from you since I say it, nobody else has said it, and I say it from my heart. You're a lousy actor. <laughs> just, just to say, there's no, there's not even really a joke there. He's just saying you're a lousy actor. <laughs> but that's the best joke. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it, oh, man. He, I mean, he could do shtick, he could do this, but he just right hooked the entire room because nobody saw that coming. That's amazing. And he seemed, and this is like, is the nuance that we've lost now where you can make jokes like that. And I understand it's, it's different because the people are there, but you can make jokes like that. And by all accounts, Don Rickles is like the sweetest man to have ever lived. And you see little moments of it when he's on talk shows yeah, where he'll have moments of uh, where he's just charming rather than like, you know, mean necessarily. Well, how do you think he got so far in Hollywood? Right. I mean, right. The, the roast is a specialized thing, but what I really, what I really think, sucks now is that if that roast we just saw it happen in 2022 mm-hmm. next day every clickbait article don rickles calls clint eastwood lousy actor yes yeah that's that the clip real would be isolated they would play it like he was serious just because of the tone he was in no one would no one would take the time like you said to understand the nuance and it right. is lost yeah and that and that's the that's the problem more people should have with media because i know it, get, it can be a tired uh, topical. I just cancel culture in general and all that sort of shit. But the idea that we are manipulated by the media into thinking a lot of this stuff is offensive where 
the I hate using this as the example because it's always my go-to, but like Shane Gillis getting fired from SNL. We were all manipulated by the media to believe that was a racially charged, uh, you know, like harassment almost by the way it was framed by the media, putting him next to Michael Jackson and R Kelly in in the, in the clickbait photos that they would have for it. So we are being like manipulated where you can frame that as Don Rickles attacks Clint Eastwood or mansplains to Julia Roberts when you know very well, that's not what's happening. there. Absolutely. I, uh, I really hope that Don Rickles ghost was just fucking waiting for Clint Eastwood at the exit to the the premiere of cry macho. (laughs) Like told you Clint (laughs) told you you're a lousy actor and director. Another one of my favorite, (laughs) Uh, another one of my favorite Rickles stories that we've referenced um, in the Bob Saget episode that we did, Rickles was in Casino, obviously, directed by Martin Scorsese. And uh, I think the next film he did was Dirty Work, uh, where Saget was directing. And um, when when Rickles was on set, he was telling Bob Saget, he goes, uh, you know, I called Marty Scorsese and I told him that I was uh, doing this film. And he said, who's directing? I said, Bob Saget. The man grabbed his chest. <laughs> <laughs> the man grabbed his chest. I could hear it. I could totally hear it in his voice. I mean, I can't imagine what being around Don Rickles was like. I got to meet his daughter a couple months ago, actually. Oh, right. I got met Mindy. And um She's in comedy, right? I know she was on she was on one of those Jeff Ross uh like the historical roast or something like that. I'm pretty she sure. She played uh, her dad, I believe. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, um, I'll tell you what Bobcat Goldthwaite said. Okay. Looks just like her dad has her mother's sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> that's a rough, genetically, that's not a great. <laughs> I'm not buried her. She seems nice enough. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I will say she did look the part in that, uh, Jeff Oh, Ross she nailed it. Yeah. Uh, but the so the one thing I didn't realize when I was just looking stuff up for this episode is that these Dean Martin. So the Dean Martin show was on NBC and I guess ratings were starting to sink a little bit. Sure. But the one the most popular segment was he would do these things called like man of the week. And they were essentially roasts of different celebrities. And those ended up being uh, the most popular segments that they turned into these. I think they did like over 54 roasts or something like that. I believe it was over 50. Yeah. Over a uh, 10 year span, but there was like a three year gap where they didn't do any. So they would do, you know, let's say four or five a year, roughly. Um, Which the other thing I didn't realize is that it's, it was in, it was on NBC, like in prime time, which is interesting and something you wouldn't see now really. Tune in to watch your favorite stars hammered insulting each other. <laughs> it was the best. And you would like that now, but it just doesn't really, it doesn't have the same. Tr- and you know what? As much as we blame like the media and shit, or at least I do, there is an element of um, the roasts now just devolving into, like we said with Rickles, there's a, a charm to what he's doing. Whereas now it's like, hey, your parents are dead. You lost a child, you know, something like that. Where sure. it's, and, and it's from people that don't know each other. So there is a weirder element to it where the, it became mostly shock value rather than anything personal. And that's maybe you're right. 
but that's what the audiences want to see. That's a, that's what, when they brought those back, what was it? The mid two thousands when comedy central brought back the televised roasts. 2003, I think was the first 2003 back then, man, everything had to be edgier. It had to be like harsher. So that's like what they wanted. They just grabbed whoever they can get on a, and slapped them on a dais. Like you said, the camaraderie camaraderie was there between the comics. Like yeah. you go back and you could watch them and you could see Greg uh, Giraldo and Lisa Lampanelli go at each other all day long, but you knew they loved each other. Right. But yeah, then they would, that, but then they would sprinkle in for some reason on one of them, Hulk Hogan sitting there. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know what I mean? These yeah. And that's the weird it. part where it's, they would get celebrities that don't have any relation to the, it would be, you know, Mike Tyson and Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg and Larry King. <laughs> And, you know, they might have some loose affiliation with the person they're roasting. All pedophiles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. That's what they were looking for at Comedy Central. Um, That's when Dan Schneider uh, transitioned over there. Um, But great feet, all of them. (laughs) But Oh, you know what? The one um, scroll down, Craig, to the Nick Kroll clip, if you can find that one. Um, Because I always point to the Seth. I'm sorry, the uh, James Franco roast emceed by Seth Rogen as the one, like I don't like what Seth Rogen's become in the last four or five years, but I think the James Franco roast was the one that ha- is closest to that feel from the comedy central roast. Because like I said, I, on some level, they at least all know each other. Even like the comics that they got Aziz, Nick Kroll and Sarah Silverman uh, were in movies with these people and know right. them on some level, you know? So it was, it did have a little more of that atmosphere. You're doing a really good job up there. It's not an easy job. Now, many of you might not know this, but Seth Rogen has a writing and directing partner named Evan Goldberg. What does this other guy look like that you're the face of the operation? (laughs) I assume he's like a sweaty Orthodox Jew eating a pastrami sandwich. Hey, Seth, yeah, I added nine dick jokes on page four. And I was thinking that the guys are friends, and then they're not friends, and then at the end of the movie, they're friends again. (laughs) And also, they should smoke a lot of ganja, Sethy. (laughs) That's one of my favorite roast jokes, because it is coming from, like, guys that know each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the... The Friars Club has a rule when you do a roast. You only roast people that you love. Right. And Comedy Central doesn't have that rule. No. It, it, Comedy Central changed that completely. And the other thing that I think changed it is, I don't know how much you pay attention to uh, like these roast battles that have happened over the last uh, number of years. Yep. Where it started on the West Coast, where I guess at the comedy store, uh, two guys got into some sort of beat. Like a guy was on stage, similar to the Rogan Mencia thing. Uh, where someone was on stage and he got into a, you know, a a tiff with another comedian. And I guess Jeff Ross and Brian Moses and other people that were there said, just go joke for joke at each other. And it kind of evolved into roast battles. But I think the roast battles are the worst example of what I was talking about before, where it often is two people that don't know each other put Mm -hmm. against one another. Mm -hmm. So they have to go with kind of basic knowledge. And a lot of that is often like, you had cancer or your mom died or you had an abortion. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know you. What are you doing? So I've done, I believe four roasts in my life. Okay. 
And two of them were for people I never met before. Right. And the only reason they brought me, they brought me in to be like the roast master. Okay. They were like, you're the roast master and all of his friends are going to roast him for his birthday. So I had to go and do research on all of these no name people I've ever met before. And I'm like, just tell me their professions for Christ's sake and send me a picture of them. Like I just had to go off of like that to make roast jokes for these people. But it's hard to write about people you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'd be curious if you've ever had an experience like this, just as a comedian, because I always love stories when I listen to guys like uh, Mark Norman or Joe list or people like that tell stories, particularly when they were, you know, younger in comedy where they would do these kind of um, uh, maybe corporate gigs or like events where people would bring you in for like the night's entertainment. Hey, we've got a comedian. And there would always be stories of like, Hey, you know, give, give Jim, Jim just got divorced. Give him a little shit about that. Or, uh, you know, fucking, uh, uh, you know, Bernie's old, give it, make some old jokes. And the comedian thinks like, Oh, this person's going to be in on whatever joke they're telling me to make. And inevitably like the crowd is outraged (laughs) that this (laughs) fucking guy they don't know is coming in and just roasting them. And the stories that I love the most are basically groups of people that think they're this lighthearted fun bunch and then when a legitimate comedian comes in, they're like, Ooh, we didn't want this. Yes. That's definitely happened. I'm trying to remember specific incidents, but whenever I used to go to like a small town that I never heard of, or like I used to, when I first started, like the bookings I would get would be like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's an American Legion in Mexico, New York. The pay is this, you have to do 20 minutes and you're going to drive out there with this guy and this guy. It's a three person right. show. And you go out there and whenever you get there, like you said, inevitably you start getting the suggestions. Yeah. But I would always like do research into the town and write a good two or three jokes about why the place is shitty and why I don't want to be there. Right. Like my, well, Hey, great. Mexico, New York, my agents fired. This is great. Look at this guy over here. Da, da, da. And you do that stuff. People would get very upset. Really? Like if you got the wrong, if you got the wrong town or the wrong people, most of the time that stuff kills, they love it. self-deprecating but there are times when you just make fun of their town not fans the idea of town pride is so funny to me like i grew up in a small western massachusetts east long meadow and i enjoyed my experience growing up but if you made fun of it i wouldn't fuck you buddy like i can't imagine having that kind of pride in where i'm from yeah these are real shitty places (laughs) these are really (laughs) shitty places they get defensive there's a reason they get defensive yeah yeah i mean i i don't know anything really too specific but the audience turns on you there's a very real thing where like when you're performing there's an energy in the room that a good performance is you tapping into that energy and feeling you know the way that, and like being able to kind of like read the people in terms of like the way you're going, you could feel if, yeah, this is working versus no, this isn't working. You could by reactions. There's just a vibe, right? There are times where you do those jokes and the room will just quietly be like, huh? Yeah. 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 And then you could just feel like, Oh, this is not the uproarious applause. I was hoping I've lost for. them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This is uh, I need to work a little harder here. Um, Craig, if we start going back in order, what's the uh, next clip we got? Uh, ben Bailey at the Patrice Roast. Oh, that's right. So uh, I love Ben. Very, very underrated Ben Bailey, because you would know him from Cash Cab if you're not familiar with his work as a comedian. I think an underrated comic and maybe his best moment, at least that I'm aware of, is uh, at the, the Roast of Patrice O'Neill, 
which they did record and you can find the entire thing on YouTube now. But I think at the time it was just for them, which is probably why it's so great. And people like to go back and listen to it because it wasn't done with the intention of, uh, Oh, some of these smaller comics on the dais are going to get recognized at like they do on comedy central. This was just guys busting balls. And um, Ben Bailey has a joke about Keith Robinson that even in in this clip, I don't even think it gets the reaction it deserves because I think it's such a brilliant line. But for anyone that isn't familiar with uh, Keith Robinson, and keep in mind, this is like 2002 or 2003 before Kevin Hart had really blown up. Right. But uh, Kevin Hart started to get like work in Hollywood and become a bigger comic. And uh, Keith Robinson, all, both from uh, Philadelphia, kind of mentored him and brought him into New York and like took good care of him and everything. And then um, Keith also did not prepare for this roast and showed up late. And this is what Ben Bailey said about him. I've never known anyone who had such a collection of hideously ugly clothing and the awful pear-shaped body to match until I met Keith Robinson. Sweater collection in history. <laughs> Sinbad would be appalled at your wardrobe and your act. <laughs> you horrible cat. You have no chance of success and you know it. That's why the words God damn it come out of your mouth at least a hundred times in every boring set that you do. He was out of shape, lonely, and unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. Which is a brand new term. He should have stuck with wrestling. I'm sure the Black Scorpion had a better career path. Sorry if the uh, audio quality sucked on that one, but I just think the imagery of Keith getting a wing ripped off and circling back and forth from Philadelphia to New York is so, so beautifully done. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And I got to tell you, the funniest part of that clip to me is uh, looking at Rich Voss dressed like a used Volvo salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rich. Yeah, Colin Quinn has the best analysis of like that group of guys and their looks. And they're just references that you would, no one else would ever think of. And I remember his favorite, uh, comparison to what Rich Voss looked like is a Cuban domino player. (laughs) He looks like, he looks like a minor league baseball player trying to catch the bus. And that's who like he, like the team makes you dress up, but it's not like the best suit. (laughs) But, but yeah, that, that clip is a good example of, um, 
one where like it's genuinely just fun it's not done for tv where you couldn't go in that long a form on tv and i understand all that but it is there's just a fun element to something that isn't done like for us it's done for themselves yeah and that, that's the beauty of the friars club yes yeah yeah and that's what those uh dean martin roasts were modeled after but and and i guess that's how the comedy central roast started is they televised a few of the F- friars club roasts yeah and then just started producing them themselves but i am i can only imagine how crazy some of those friars club roasts got especially in the 50s and 60s when it was oh, just yeah. them you know getting all boozed up and um but Fucking, uh <laughs> oh what's his name milton Burl is just spinning his cock. It's <laughs> just, just like crazy ass. Time. Gigantic penis. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, one other clip we had from that roast is, is uh, still involves Keith Robinson. Um, this is more of an example of what can go wrong when you don't prepare for a roast and just think, I'm a funny guy. I can, you know, just go off the cuff. Um, it's a lot like we've talked before about and well, you guys on WATP, I'm sure talk about it all the time where there are people who are like, oh, we're funny guys. We'll just show up and turn the mics on and the brilliance will come to us. <laughs> and that is what Keith thought just walking into this roast. And it was disastrous. <laughs> he got fucking open micers for everybody in that shit. All right, man. Now he made me wish I was a rope for this shit. Uh, but I didn't, so fucking take what I got, goddamn. Right off the cuff. Immediately the crowd shut up. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. If, if. All right, let's see what we got. Before we get to the, the main course, Patrice O'Neill. We're going to go around the room and see what we got here. You want to go fucking regroup another minute or two? <laughs> I know. After fucking Ben Bailey fucking out with oh, Jay Jay. He's still getting hair shit. Look at all right. <laughs> Can I open for you in the next room? God damn it. That's so funny. You want to go regroup? It's so funny just to show up with nothing and think and think I've got this under control. And then what you're hearing, like the silences you're hearing there are him realizing, fuck, I don't, this was a mistake. <laughs> like he's well, realized, he's, the confidence is gone. <laughs> well, when you stand there and you go and you, and you know, you're going to be on this thing and you're watching comics go up there and doing their best material mm-hmm. and killing at that point, you should be sitting there if you had not prepared anything with a pen and a piece of paper, writing your ass off as quickly as you possibly can. <laughs> there should never be a situation where you show up to that dais with nothing prepared because it's, the audience isn't going to respect you, especially when you admit it like that. You heard him just turn right off. I wish I wrote for this. And everyone's like, oh boy, let's watch this. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's arms just immediately went, okay. <laughs> we have one more from that, right, Craig? We have two more. Oh, well, I might have done too many, but let's hear it. <laughs> Todd was, you know, he was rich. That's what Todd said. He's rich. Todd, rich. What? Does everything a rich person does, too. As soon as you get some new money, he goes out and buy every fucking thing in the book, goddamn. That's why I said goddamn it, because I knew I wasn't going. <laughs> Who else is here? Hold the fuck up. Is this your ad for? <laughs> I got more, goddamn! I got more. This is right off my head too, guys. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <the guitar. laughs> we're supposed to be Robert Kelly. How about Robert Kelly? Give it up for Robert Kelly. I'm sure he's good. Robert Kelly is the only guy that can be described as bitter and jolly in the same sentence, guys. <laughs> There's, my favorite part about that is there's something it's like indiscreet. You can't really describe it, but when something is pointed out to you that you hadn't necessarily noticed before, you can never unnotice it and it ruins that thing forever. And by uh, Ben Bailey in his roast of Keith saying how often he says, God damn it. Yeah. You can't unnotice it in that clip where every time he's bombing, he goes, God damn it. And you're like, Oh, there it is. Oh man, that no wonder that thing didn't make the internet. If I was Keith, I would call stuttering John's lawyer. I would get that thing off the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're, I mean, we're probably done with this, but I'm curious what the other clip I had pulled is. We can all find out together. That'll be, that'll be fun for everyone. Love a surprise. (laughs) It should be the same one. They're fucking pointing and laughing at him. Rich Ross just pointed in his face. Oh. It's hilarious to watch the process where you can tell he's clearly, he's like, okay, Jim Norton's a pervert. Uh, he's really into sex stuff. There's something there. So he goes down that lane. Maybe he's we'll again, stumble like, upon it together if I keep talking. <laughs> uh, Opie <Yeah>. and Anthony. <laughs> he's like, nope, I got nothing. <laughs> the best part was hearing freaking Kumia cackling in the back. <laughs> it comes right through. <laughs> the old expression, that guy bombed so hard he just created refugees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next, Craig? Uh, Greg Giraldo. So uh, to me, and I didn't even know that I really appreciated it until we did an episode on Greg Giraldo because he was one of my favorite comics growing up um, and one of the first like dirty comics that I got super into. But I don't know that I ever really appreciated, like, you think of Jeff Ross as, you know, the roast master just because he's on every single one. Um, but Geraldo, by far, is the best guy, performer from those Comedy Central roasts, in my opinion. Dude, Dude I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I could uh, not agree more. Um, so let's hear, which, by the way, you referenced earlier uh, about... Lisa Lampanelli, and I think there's a Lisa Lampanelli joke in here as well. Let's there better be, or you didn't do your homework. <laughs> Oops. Oh, he did. Artie Lang, you, you... You fat, drunk slob. Artie, your liver has more holes in it than Mel Gibson's apology. You're a... 
Your liver's so black, Lisa Lampanelli tried to get it to fuck her up the ass and never call again. <laughs> the, fu- the reason I chose that clip also was uh, we played, uh, in the episode we did on Greg Giraldo, we played a clip uh, from the Joe Rogan experience when Artie Lang was on telling a story about how Giraldo was all kinds of fucked up the night before this roast. Uh, I think it was Farrah Fawcett, if I remember right. Yeah, she's not there. They just they showed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Geraldo was all fucked up, and Artie was actually like his caretaker. And Artie tells this long story about how he stopped Geraldo from doing a bunch of stupid shit the night before, and basically had to put him to bed. And it was like the one time in Artie's life where he he was the sober guy, and he said uh, it's just amazing that Geraldo comes out and his first line is Artie, you fat drunken asshole. <laughs> could you could you imagine Artie being the one in charge of you? Like, you gotta get, be. How how is that not your rock bottom? <laughs> you know what happened was he like tucked him in, put the blanket over his head, kissed him on the forehead, then sat yeah. down on the bed next to him, just found a vein, yeah. and just fell asleep. Yeah, stole whatever drugs were left in Greg's pocket. and Right next to him, just passed out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but Geraldo, to me, was so underappreciated in what he did in a lot of those. I mean, he was on those roasts, the Howard Stern roasts, and he was... Mainstream, maybe underappreciated, but let me tell you something. In comedy yeah. circles, he's the goat of the sure, roasts. Sure, yeah. Um because he is, and it's it's funny because I think Geraldo missed it by maybe a couple of years, I guess, where you have Amy Schumer and Anthony Jeselnik and Whitney Cummings and Nikki Glaser and these people that did these roasts and ended up getting super famous from them. And, like, you know, I know people have thoughts on Amy Schumer. I thought on those roasts she was not bad. She was okay. Uh, same with Glazer. I actually like Anthony Jeselnik. But none of them compared to Geraldo, and they all blew up from those things. Yeah, it's a di- it was a different marketplace, and I guess I'm not even 100 percent sure why they blew up. I think that um, the opportunities that they were given were shocking, considering that like their biggest credit was a roast. Like, I mean, Whitney Cummings ended up with two network television shows. Yeah, Amy Schumer's getting movies and all this stuff, and I mean, Jezelnik can't get a club date now. And he's the funniest of the three. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's very bizarre. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. I guess they particularly with the girls. You're right. Jezelnik is a different case because I think he's just legitimately funny. Yeah. But with Nikki, Amy, and Whitney, I think the kind of you know through line is, oh, these are at the time Amy was attractive. <laughs> so these are moderately attractive girls mm-hmm. that all fit like they can hang with the boys and they can be raunchy. Mm-hmm. So they can fit a couple different things that maybe NBC was looking for at the time. Marketability. Exactly. Where they and they all came out of that exact same model. And it's funny that Hollywood thinks they want that because then also Amy Schumer has to backtrack on all the jokes she made when she was funny and say, Oh, that wasn't me. That was a character I was playing. So yeah. they pretend Those they were jokes. They, really they were don't. Patrice's. That's true. <laughs> don't get us started in that. Me and Craig. That's what I'm talking that. about. <laughs> He's on my side from what it sounds like. It does. But, um, Oh, I I've, don't know. I'm just taking the low hanging fruit. <laughs> a, uh, a fun, uh, speaking of old episodes, we've done another fun fact that kind of ties back into an old episode. Um, I assume you're aware of the, you know, rumors, quote unquote, <laughs> about Dennis Leary having stolen Bill Hicks's entire act. 
Yes. Um, the first thing that was ever deleted from a Comedy Central roast, apparently. Um, so Dennis Leary's production company uh, produced the first roast, which was of Dennis Leary, which is interesting because I, I didn't realize that. And now I don't think he has anything to do with them. But I remember there's a clip from uh, Tough Crowd when Dennis Leary was on where he's saying like, oh, Colin, next, we're looking for someone to do next year. It should be the roast of Colin Quinn, which would have been unbelievable, but never yeah. happened. Um, but in that first year, when Dennis Leary was roasting, apparently Lenny Clark went up and said something to the effect of, um, hey, I have a, a gift for Dennis. It's in the dressing room. It's a cigar box sent from Bill Hicks that says, I wish I could have gotten these to you sooner. And that got taken, <laughs> and, that, and that got taken out, which is <laughs> that's so fucked. I love it. All I can imagine is that's Lenny Clark saying like, "Oh, this is my buddy. I can bust his balls for <laughs> for the Bill Hicks stuff." And Dennis saying, "Nope, nope, nope. That's not going on Comedy Central. <laughs> we're not going to good one, but out. we're not doing that, pal. <laughs> yeah. You could be on that stupid show about Fireman. That joke's not getting on. It's so funny. I'm curious your opinion on this because I think we kind of just equated it to like, we talked about Mencia and how the Rogan stuff essentially derailed his career. Yeah. Whereas everyone knows for the most, at least in comedy, everyone knows that Bill Hicks story, yeah. uh, that Dennis's entire act is from um, a Bill Hicks special, yep. but it didn't ruin him for whatever reason. And I just kind of attributed it to maybe he, he's not out of comedy, but he just kind of transitioned into acting at the right time, I guess. You know, if I had to, put it on anything I would say it was just the time yeah it was just the timing of it if it was 2010 and all that was going on and like right. Dennis Miller was on his meteoric rise with the uh the poo hole song or whatever you know the asshole song whatever the fuck he's doing I think people oh, right, would be right, harsher right. on him now over that than they were back in the 90s be like oh he made something great we liked it right. and there wasn't 24-hour news available about the stuff on the internet like Back then in like 1990, when he was big, if he, there was no Google to Google Dennis Leary to see all the hate sites, people going, he right. stole Bill Hicks's act. There was yeah, no so reason. whoever the Joe Rogan was of that time couldn't just put it on their website and be like, hey, look at this. Yeah. Well, Mencia, you know, where he really fucked up is when he admitted it and wasn't sorry. Yeah. I, you know what I would say? The other place he fucked up is that people hated him. Mm -hmm. Whereas Dennis Leary and Robin Williams, there's stories of both those guys doing little things to like pay the people back. Like Louis told on Open Anthony years ago, we played the clip at the time, but uh, basically told how he ripped the entire asshole song off from a Louis C.K. bit. But then yep. a few years I later, that De now. Dennis Leary g like gave him money to produce some film Louis was working on. And there was, he never gave a reason as to why he's just like, Hey, I want to help you out with this. And Robin Williams do, would do the same thing where he like slip people cash. Yeah. And so maybe just little shit like that was like, acknowledge like, Hey, you know, I know what I've done. Here's well, he a little, would, here's a little reparations. He, Robin Williams would mail people checks, which is wild. Yeah. He would just be like, sorry. Hey, uh, I forgot this was yours. And like with Robin, I always bought Robin's excuse more so than I would buy the excuse of like a Mencia because Mencia bro just sat in the back of the room with a pen and a pad yeah. 
And like Robin Williams just internalized everything he saw because he was an ADHD lunatic. Right. More of that's how I kind of described Dane Cook's stealing where, yes, I believe he heard Louis do some of those jokes. Yeah. But I think it was just kind of absorbed through his like it just got stuck somewhere in his brain. And then one day he blurted it out and realized it was funny and never stopped doing it. But see what I what I like the way what I like about Robin Williams as opposed to Dennis Leary in this story and your two comparisons is the fact that Robin's like, oh shit, I realize this. And sending the money is a true reparation with an apology that sure. I did wrong versus yeah, let's just keep this you in know, some roundabout way. I'm mean, acknowledging it, but not really. I want to invest in your talent or whatever. Sorry right. about whatever. I'm glad we could do this and work together and be friends again. Yeah. Um, An unspoken right, apology. Let's uh, let's get back on track here, for God's sake. What's our what's, what's what's our next clip, Craig? So we have uh, three left. This okay. first one is the Sam Marill, um Steve Run is easy thing. I could not yep. get the video. I just have the audio. That's perfectly fine. You know, I've never heard this audio. Oh, it's I know really? about it, but I've never heard it. It's I mean, amazing. It's weird. Hear it. It's weird. That's what Craig only has the audio. I'm guessing because uh, it's been wiped off of YouTube, which it was on at one time. It's like hard to find for some reason. I'm a big fan of Sam. He plays the Carlson a lot. He he's one of the funniest comics working today. He's an amazing joke writer. He's one of one of my favorites, and I think a truly underappreciated, like just pure joke. Like if you listen to him and uh, Mark Norman's podcast together, you can tell the just the love they have for comedy and like their knowledge of just old comedians and things like that. Like they are true comics. I would say Sam more than a lot of people that I've, I've heard. Uh, but this, if you guys don't know, uh, Steve Renazizi is, you know, you may know him from the league or other things that he's done, but probably now most famous for his nine 11 story <laughs> where he is a story of how he was uh, in one of the buildings on nine 11 and he got out and he survived. And it turns out that didn't happen. <laughs> complete uh, fucking just lie. A complete lie, which is weird. So, like, the excuse I've heard other comedians make for him, like, I know Ari Shafir and guys like that are friends with him. And they basically say, like, you know, it wasn't a story. Like, he just got out of hand. Like, he had told that story just, like, bullshitting. And then he just grew, the lie grew bigger and bigger and bigger. My th- we- The weirdness I feel from that is, like, I can't imagine even just bullshitting, you know, if we, if I was talking with you guys off air, I can't imagine the instinct to be like, you know, I was there on nine 11. Yeah. You know, my mom was at the Vegas shooting, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't lie about something like that. <laughs> my mom was at the Vegas shooting. She had stepped away to go to the churro stand when the shots started. It sounds, I that mean, sounds very familiar. No, it, Vinny, Vinny, what, what this, what this scum is saying is that my mother really was in the Vegas shooting. <laughs> And they think I'm lying about it. Was she really? Yeah. Well, oh. it depends on what you believe, but yes. <laughs> she wasn't shot. No, she was fine. Made Let's it all just be free. glad we weren't there for the Keith Robinson bombing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Much more damage. Um, so anyways, a uh, long way of saying this was Steve Renazizi's first, to my knowledge, first like real, well, he went on the Howard Stern show. So like kind of explained himself, but at least in a comedy context. And what a, uh, what a pussy Howard Stern is now. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the worst. Eventually we will do a, a yep. whole episode on it. We did like a Howard Stern related episode. Um, but the reason I'm holding off on just doing a full episode 
of like his hypocrisy is because I think everyone knows about it at this point. It's like been done to death, but it's not done yet. And it's getting worse and worse every day. It's wild. There's always new, new fun examples of it. Well, Um, I did WATP a couple weeks ago and he was playing me this clip of him and Amy Schumer and her talking about how I had Carl send me those clips because I was so enraged by them. She was going, yeah, you know, uh, before I make a joke about someone, I have to let them know and get it approved by them first. What? You were on the roast. What are you doing? Well, so for for Amy to say that is, I found it to be crazy. But that's like who Amy is now. I uh, whatever, I've accepted it. For Howard Stern to say that when his entire thing was railing against management for censoring him, <laughs> that was the only reason we know Howard Stern's name. <laughs> like he built his name off that identity, and for him to go, oh, well, that's smart. You got to check with a uh, you know, fucking standards and practices. So. It's funny, like Stern went and apologized to a lot of people. Do you know that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Chevy but, Chase and. Well, even lower level people like uh, there's a guy in Rochester, a radio guy named Brother Weeze. Who oh, I've heard, heard you guys talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Weeze uh, had a daughter with developmental disabilities that he basically ignored for the child's entire life in okay. Philadelphia. Like the baby was in Philly and he's in Rochester doing radio, never acknowledging the kid. And this was, I guess, was common knowledge in radio circles. So when Stern came on in Rochester, he started calling him Brother Cheese. And uh, yeah, why don't you go call your daughter and stuff like that? You think right. he went and got fucking approval before he made a joke like that? I about suspect somebody? not, Vinny. I'm not sure. I wasn't there, but I yeah. suspect not. But he called Weez and like bought him dinner in New York and apologized for the whole thing. Yeah. Weird. And when, but that's even one... At least that's one where I can understand you're now in your 60s and you're like, I made fun of this kid's, you know, mentally challenged daughter or whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. the case is that I can at least understand. It's weird to me to like apologize to Ellen for making fun of her dancing, you know, to hurt her very much. Anyways, anyways, we've gotten off track here. My point was. Uh, Steve Renazizi, first thing he did like in comedy was uh, the roast battle on Comedy Central. We were talking about these roast battles and uh, I said my issue with them was they often, you know, uh, get a little off topic. But this Sam with precision stayed on topic and Steve Renazizi did not do a tremendous job. Yes, I lied about being in the World Trade Center. But to my defense, I was a first responder to Sam's girlfriend's Instagram abuse. Ah, oh, Scale one to ten, I'm gonna give that a ground zero, Steve. First joke, first joke. (laughs) Sam, uh, Sam. (laughs) Get it out, guys. Sam. I can't believe you're here, man. You lost to a mime on America's Got Talent last week. A f-ing mime, dude. Can you believe that? Jesus Christ. I mean, if you wanted to just have career suicide, you could have lied about being 9-11 and kept your dignity. Oh. Steve has never performed in a roast before, but he did lie about uh, running away from a pretty huge one. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> 
I'm so glad you laughed at that, Vinny, because what bugs me about that clip is you hear David Spade go, what? Like he doesn't get the joke. I'm like, how do you not understand that? <laughs> from, pretty, from a pretty big one. <laughs> It's, pretty, it's a great joke. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I can't say I watched all those roast battles, but I think that was easily the best moment to come out of it. It's not, it's not a terrible instinct by Ren is easy to be like, you know, if I go on and make fun of myself and yeah. also make fun of Sam, that'll maybe we'll get people back on my side, but you could form the, sentences. This motherfucker there. Yeah. Is that he couldn't speak. <laughs> this motherfucker couldn't win people back. If he put himself in stocks in the middle of the street and had a baseball machine throwing tomatoes at him every 15 <laughs> seconds, nobody likes this guy anymore. He's a fucking asshole for doing that. And your it's career rough. should be over, sir. It's rough. I, did, I, ne- I never even thought we should do a Ren is easy episode at some point. I, don't think I forgot how bizarre that story is. Yeah, I don't think his career should be over. Just people still want to support oh, I him. Think, I don't Let think him. his career should be over Are either. Are you kidding me? I don't think his career should be over. You should, do you all think right. Louis' career should be over? No, like, not at all. Yeah, same yeah. shit. I think yeah. there's a little difference in lying about 9 11. Well, sexual you, assault. Why, Goddamn though. patriot. Sexual assault why, and 9 11 lies. Difference. I would have more of an issue. Like, the reason I don't really have an issue with Ren is easy is like he lied to. Us. Like who gives it? if you got in front of yeah. Congress or something, then I'd have a real issue with him. But it's like a story that he told the comics and other people made a big deal of it. So he ended up telling it to more people. Well, and- what I don't like about it is how he uses it, how he used it to move up the ladder, bro. Like he uses shit like that to move up the ladder. Well, so I, I that ladder might fell. be right. <laughs> might, you might be right. But the other thing I was going to say is like, if that never happened, if Steve Renazizi never got exposed, I wouldn't have known that story. I'd never heard that story in my life. And okay, I knew who that Ren- is a good point. I knew who Renazizi was and everything, but I'd never heard the story. So I guess that's the reason I wasn't like pissed off by it was that I had never heard it before. I just found it funny that he lied about that. I'm I'm not pissed off about it. No, I know, but all. I know I know no, there's no anger. But I will say this: the reason why I I guess my gut would say this guy should be canceled because people have been canceled for a lot less. Sure, yes, yeah. but my solution to that is always we should cancel fewer people, not more. You know. Yeah. Man. I'm with um, you. Then. Plus, if someone's right. willing to pay him money, just let him. I'm not gonna. Uh, say that again. I said if people are willing to pay money to see him, let them. I'm not gonna. Oh but. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's this an was, absolute dumb move. <laughs> dumb, I think, dumb move. I agree with that. I think. Uh, I think the two we have left are Gilbert and Norm, right? Absolutely. All right. So. Uh, probably two of my favorite roasters ever, and I was gonna pull a clip from Norm's um, the correspondence dinner that he did, but it's weird. There's not like there's not a great clippable moment. It's more just funny to see like early Norm and people not really getting him. Like he wasn't in front of his crowd necessarily. Yeah, but Norm was essentially like a roaster. His entire career, whether it was Weekend Update or that correspondence dinner or him on The View talking about Clinton <laughs> or the sports show that he did, like he was a brilliant roaster, which is what makes the roast of Bob Saget so brilliant <laughs> is that he chose not to use any of those skills. And uh, I know I mentioned the James Franco roast earlier, but I think maybe in hindsight, my favorite is the Bob Saget roast. And part of that is because, you know, half the dais now is dead. But you have Ger- Geraldo, Gilbert, and Norm. And from that roast, Norm and Gilbert turned out two of the most historic performances ever. You know, can I say yeah, something please, about Norm's please. roast, Dan? 
what I like about Norm's callback about what you said about Don Rickles is that Norm also knew how to do this stuff in a charming way. Completely. And be brutal. Norm could be completely charming and cutting at the same time. Right. Like I could, I, you know, I could see OJ kind of chuckling at a few of Norm's jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he did it in a way where there was some absolutely brutal shit that Norm would say, yeah. but there was like a, a glimmer in his eye where you're like, and a, <laughs> and a smile, like, come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you know, I got gotcha. you. Uh, but I know, I know everyone knows they went around when uh, Norm passed away, obviously. And I know everyone's familiar with this, but I wanted to play another clip from uh, the Bob Saget roast of Norm. Whoops. That is Gilbert Gottfried. That is the wrong one. I'm I'm a slave to numbers. I was labeled 11, so that's my fault. <laughs> All right. All right. John Stamos. I want to start with John Stamos, our esteemed uh, roast master, John. Well, John has a reputation for being a bit of a swinger. Did you know instead of an umbilical cord, John was born with a bungee cord? John likes the ladies, it's true He has a one-track mind And the traffic on it is pretty light (laughs) You know John Stamos It only takes one drink to get him drunk But he's not sure if it's the ninth or tenth or 11. Pause real quick. So, my, I think, I, I don't remember watching this live, so I, I may have heard about it before I ever watched this. But, like, if you're watching this live and you're a Norm fan, I think by now you kind of know what he's doing. Yes. But my favorite to think about is the person in the audience that doesn't know Norm's comedy. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, this poor guy. <laughs> Not realizing they're watching, like, a legend, a legendary performance. And Cloris Leachman is here. Cloris. Cloris, if people say you're over the hill, don't believe them. Why, you'll never be over the hill, not in the car you drive. (laughs) 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 And Jim Norton of here. You know what? Pause it for a second. You know what I love about this? He is leaning into tricking the audience into into this because the way he's reading them, he's holding the cards up high, his cadence, (laughs) everything is this guy's playing rope-a-dope with everybody right now. It's so brilliant, and I know I've said it before and a lot of other people have, but like I think he does Andy Kaufman better than Andy Kaufman. Like For my money, I appreciate what Norm does even more than like the absurdity of Andy Kaufman. Cause I think Norm was legitimately working on a level. Like if you go back and watch Andy Kaufman stuff, there's some stuff where you're like, of course he's joking. And even the audience is in on it. Right. With Norm, there are times legit where you're like, I, is he fucking around? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> the answer is yes. He was fucking around. <laughs> yeah, the answer is always yes. Yeah. Um, we're leading by the way, the joke he closes on is my favorite delivery of a joke. Ever. Like, you just if you hear me talk, you can tell I've taken influence from the way he delivers this joke. And Jim Norton of here is, of course, uh, probably one of the most colorful characters I've ever met. Colorful personalities I know. You're green with envy and you have a yellow streak down your back. (laughs) (laughs) Greg Giraldo is here. Now, of course, people always say, 
that Greg's a bit of a skin flint, a little tight with a dollar. <laughs> but I find him to be a real carefree guy. Yep, he doesn't care as long as it's free. <laughs> That's what kind of carefree guy he is. Fucking no, but Greg Corraldo, I'm just joking him. He has the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. <laughs> that, that, that's the way he says that. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. I love it. I love it when Norm does old timey speak. Yeah. He's a real skid flint. <laughs> He's oh, got my a wife's yellow a real... streaked out his back. <laughs> my wife's a real battle axe. It's so yeah, funny because I mean, even Norton was like, is there more to this? <laughs> watching Greg's response is like, what the fuck are you doing? It's great. He, like, he just held his hand up like, why? what? <laughs> he's he's the greatest of all time. And uh, from from that roast, we you also had uh, Gilbert Gottfried go up. And again, that's what this is why I said two of the most brilliant performances, because you know, for about six minutes, Gilbert went up and, you know, 95% of what he said was that Bob Saget raped and murdered a girl in 1992. <laughs> and he just said it over and over again to the point where we talked in the second episode, like it hurt Bob's career at times <laughs> where like on Twitter years later, people would find that clip and be like, we don't know Bob Saget the way we thought we did. How about when he died and people were reporting it as fact? <laughs> yes. Why are we <laughs> just, celebrating just this wild. guy? Yeah. But uh, me and Vinny were on the same page here, I think. I hope I pulled the right clip, Vinny. Because um, oddly enough, after I pulled this clip, uh, you messaged me and said, I hope you have uh, Gilbert at the Joan Rivers roast. Yeah. Which, as a matter of fact, I did. And oh. this is probably my favorite joke from that set. Great to see Robin Quivers here. Anyone who listens to the Howard Stern Show has heard Robin talk about being molested by her father. She won't shut up about it. She's very proud of it. But what Robin Quivers conveniently leaves out of her delightful anecdote is that even as a kid, she was so ugly that her father would close his eyes and fantasize about her sister. <laughs> Who was no looker herself, I may add. And when he was done pillaging that only daughter, he used to whisper, don't tell anyone. Because he was embarrassed. <laughs> oh, that shame that that poor man must have felt. Having to hide the fact that his molestation standards were so low. <laughs> so that's my favorite thing. I think that encapsulates my favorite thing about Gilbert is that he would just like uh, the phrase we used when we talked about him uh, previously was like that he thrives in redundancy. He loves repeating himself in different ways to really mm -hmm, drive mm -hmm. the joke home. Mm -hmm. And he easily could have just said, uh, Robin's, you know, Robin was molested and her father never told anyone because he was embarrassed. Instead, he throws out 15 versions of essentially the same joke and each one is a killer. Gilbert Gottfried, RIP man. Uh, later in that roast, 
he roasts Joan and he refers to her skin as the texture of a dead Komodo dragon. <laughs> it's one of <laughs> that part is that whole roast all the time that Gilbert did on that roast is priceless. Yeah. But you are absolutely correct. He would drive a point home to the point of it being ridiculous because he's the best example in the world. of. They always say comedians need to find their voice. Gilbert yeah. knew his voice and his voice was so fucking out there that he just knew how to use that as a tool. So he could be redundant like that. If he didn't sound like a lunatic saying these things. I, I don't know how well it would have gone over. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's true where there is, there's something to be said for, you know, just understanding and like appreciating just delivery and cadence and the things, you know, the intangible qualities that a lot of these guys have that the audience isn't even really picking up on unless you, you know, basically study comedy for lack of a better term. He was so incredible. You know, did you ever see the documentary about him? Yes. Yeah. 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 The fu- I still laugh about this with my wife. His his wife Dara saved all of the Valentine's Day and like holiday cards that that man ever gave her, mm-hmm. and like he's she's opening them up for the camera. And on Valentine's Day one year, it was like to the love of my life on the open it. When you when you open it, it says go fuck yourself five hundred times. <laughs> Love Gilbert. <laughs> it's like what he wrote to his wife. It's a it's perfect like, example though of the re- if he wrote go fuck yourself once, it's like uh, okay, the writing it five hundred times. Five hundred times, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's I mean it said all it it said every time someone dies, but those last two guys that we played, Norman Gilbert will legitimately never be replaced. Like it's so sad that we lost them because they're two of the greats ever and two of the most unique guys you'll ever hear. We literally try to find a way to put Norm in about 98% of our episodes and Gilbert's at at about like 82%. (laughs) We we usually reference Norm McDonald live in every episode. Today we had to go to the roast, but still. (laughs) I think you should keep him alive. We we try our best here. Um, Anything else, Vinny, that I missed on roasts that you want to get into? You know, man, I think that was a very cool examination of it. Um, Roast battles, I think you did bring up an interesting point. I just wanted to say they can be a lot of fun. Oh, sure. I mean, we saw with Sam and Ren is easy there. Like, that's an example of one that seemed really fun. I do think that the sound effects ruin it. Yeah, to an extent. I like some of them, but like the idea of, you know, people running on stage and shit like that, I don't really care about any of that. Yeah, when it's like a super produced rap battle, it's a little much. Yes, but it's exactly. a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun to that art. So uh, yeah. at the Creep Off Roast, Carl and I are going to roast battle each other to end the thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. See that? Well, that so that I like. I, I'm not shitting on the idea of roast battles in general. Yeah. Um, I'm saying when two people are paired against each other that have never met, they don't have any of the same friends. So it's like I have to do like just base level research and find the saddest thing about this person's life. But I imagine, and this is you know, uh, I've gone on rants on the Blind Mike Project recently, and you have pointed out on WATP. How stuttering John has found nothing to come back at Carl with just to make fun of him is astonishing to me. So hopefully Vinny will teach him a few things at this roast. Yeah, um, I hope so, too. And he's I've offered him a spot on the roast. I've offered I sent him a direct message and he responded to me and he said, I don't punch down. (laughs) It's a a fun little response. (laughs) But John, come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's the a nice note to end on, I guess, is the thing that we can learn 
from these roasts is Stuttering John might be the best example ever. Because if you play along with the joke and you're in on what people find funny about you, it is so much more beneficial. Like We can shit on Steve Renazizi in that roast, but at least he did it. You know sure. what I mean? Like if you're in on the joke, it's way more beneficial than folding your arms and being angry about the joke. I'll give Ranzizi credit for like going, Hey, you should have just lied about nine 11 like me and kept your dignity. Like yeah. I get the self deprecation. And if I, he I got the it. sentence out, it could have been funny. He just stumbled <laughs> on, you know, good point. Uh, all right, Vinny, where, and now, by the way, if they want tickets to the roast, if they want to find the creep off, if they want to, uh, here, well, don't support WATP. They get enough support. Support, yeah, screw them. Support the creep off, uh, thecreepoff.com. Uh, you could find all the links, check out episodes, vote on who you think, uh, won last week's episode. Uh, I didn't mention the wheel of consequences. You know about the wheel of consequences, Blind Mike? I do. So basically, whoever gets, whoever wins the fan vote, the loser you, has to, you got to get five points. That's the okay. five. You got to get five points and the loser has to spin the wheel. Carl had to spin the wheel last week, which means that on this next episode we do, Carl from WATP will be wearing a cow bikini. Yes, I heard something. Because he's on your show. So you can why, am I missing? Thought. Why is the cow bikini? Because uh, that girl Vic had to wear a cow bikini too, well, right? she am didn't I... have to. She chose to. Chose and to. Okay. this weird guy took a bunch of pictures of her in the cow bikini and threw milk on her. Well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, so we figured, you know, having to wear a cow bikini would be a fun consequence for losing. Okay. So we threw it on the wheel. There's some there's some weird, wacky stuff going on over there on the creep off. So it's a strange support, show. Support their Patreon. Support uh, support the free podcast, and uh, make sure you go to the roast. And Vinny's a very funny guy, by the way. Do you, uh, do you have any dates coming up or anything? Stand up, boys? Oh, buddy, I'm uh, I'm at the Carlson with uh, Jim Florentine, and then I've got a bunch of road gigs that I don't have in front of me. So uh, really? just follow me on Twitter, and I'm always posting when I where I'm going to be at Vinny Paulino. Uh, all right. Check out Vinny Paulino, especially if you're in the Rochester area, but anywhere, really. Check out Vinny. Very funny guy. I'm a fan of his. And uh, if they'll have me, I'll happily do the creep off someday. Oh, as well. dude. I can't um, wait. And if you want to support this show, I know I hate to mention it, but you can do that at blindmike.net. All our links are there. Uh, the Patreon, merch, as well as uh, the links to the podcast and everything, which you've evidently found because you've made it this far in. But mm. blindmike.net, you can do everything there. Support the show. And you can support Craig and uh, his program at verygoodshow.org. Hell yeah. Is that right? Yes, sir. And they have a Patreon as well. So listen. I know the world. I, I would say in order, go to Vinny's Patreon, then go to mine, then go to Craig's. Right. How's that sound? If you can afford all three, that'd be fantastic. I, I concur. Step one is cool, but you know. Yeah. After it falls I, off after that. If you're going to sign up for three of them, just sign up for ours three times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Vinny. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, man. We'll see you next time on Why You Laughing. <laughs>